0: Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but.
1: Hey, this is Lauren Goodnight, the new voice of Cheetah Diggers for Antarctic Press's Gold Digger OAV Volume 3, and you're listening to Anime World Order. Don't stop, it's all about the anime.
2: And we are back, yet again. This is Anime World Order. Get ready again for another hour, two hours, three hours of anime talk, raves, rants, reviews, and the truth. I am Gerald Rathgold, and with me as always...
0: Is
3: the
2: girl. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, the girl.
2: And uh, who's the other guy?
0: I'm not the other guy, I'm the man, thank you very much. Daryl Surratt, the man. You can just call me the man, and I can respond to that. And the girl
2: does have a name, I believe. Oh, she's
0: too unenthusiastic. <laughs> she should audition for Japanese porn, that level of
2: enthusiasm and boredom.
3: Exactly. Uh, so that'll be my career option.
2: <laughs> this week... I'll be taking a look at a new show, well, relatively new, called Fantastic Children. Clarissa will not be doing anything.
3: I'll be doing a review of, well, an incredibly often overlooked anime movie, A Wind Named Amnesia.
0: And by extremely overwhelming popular demand, coupled with an ever-approaching deadline, given that Anime Festival Orlando is, but, weeks away, I am going to resume my much-vaunted... Search for the truth, whether or not i found anything, is up for debate, as I soldier on with part two of the Japanese animation convention is decadent and depraved.
2: And so, what do we have in the mail? Well, we got quite a number of responses to the Geek Nights piece that we did last week, and quite a number of voicemails about it as well. First off, we have the shorter voicemail that came in through our... uh, voicemail service, which is, by the way, 206-666-4296. While I'm on that, be sure to email us at animeworldorder at gmail.com.
4: Hi, my name is Natasha. I'm from California, and I posted SimHuman on the Something Awful forums. First, I wanted to give my thanks for recommending a lot of great older shows I never would have picked up, especially Perfectiora's Defense Force. I'm the other female Mecca fan, so I was really glad to hear all the praise for Gal To so Everybody, if you have a robot-loving bone in your body, please, please pick this one up. It's distilled essence of burning justice and all good things about Super Robots. Second, I agree with the problem with completely half-assed costumes. If people don't put some effort in, what's the point? It just bothers everyone. I did find an interesting idea for how this could be reduced a bit. A lot of smaller Japanese conventions charge a nominal fee for cosplay. Usually it's about two to four dollars, but it would definitely cut down on the number of people in Naruto headbands, cat ears, and nothing but a sign and a cheap maid outfit. I don't know if you want anybody responding to that bonus track last week, but the comments like Geek knights about hentai infuriated me so much I had to respond. I don't see how live-action pornography is somehow more normal than written or drawn pornography. Both real and drawn porn are fake, they're downloaded, and they have no connection with other people or reality. Neither can be more inherently perverted than the other, since they're both just visual detections of sex intended to arouse the viewer. Speaking as an adult woman in a healthy relationship here... There are tons of reasons why people might prefer drawn pornography. I only really prefer my hentai or yaoi to be about two characters from an existing show or manga with an existing loving relationship, so the sex has some meaning outside of two people banging on camera. A video of two paid actors going at it for a few forced minutes where you can see the fluffers in the background and a bad camera angle just seems sad and depressing to me. Maybe preferring to attach some emotional significance to the sex in porn is bizarre and perverted, but at least with fan drawn doujinshi and such, you know, it's a labor of love by the creator, not a chick with implants and a hideous tan pretending she's enjoying herself for money. Anyway, I don't want to go on too long. Thanks if you play this. Please go pre order Gal Gaigar. Bye.
0: She has mm. a few points. Yeah, a What do you think about them. the paying extra for people to cosplay at cons? Hmm. Like how the
2: Japanese um. do it? It certainly would cut out the people who put zero effort into it. It
3: would, but on the other hand, I feel like it would unfairly penalize the people who already put tons of money and time into their costumes. Do you and think those
2: people might the enjoy people that, the people the not that having put those effort other people it? around?
3: I don't know. I mean, I think it would vary depending on who you ask. I think it's unfair to force the people who already dump ridiculous amounts of money and time into their costumes to pay more money on top of that just to get into the convention. I think the ones who put all that money
0: into their costumes are already desperate enough for attention that they'll pay the extra five dollars whatever I mean maybe they'll do it I
3: just don't think it's necessarily fair to them it's It's not about
0: fair to them it's about pleasing just me and (laughs) while we're on that subject I think we should take this a step further because this is the way the Japanese do it all the cosplayers are not allowed inside yeah, they're all they it's all only have to stay outside, outside the, especially and especially in, a in Florida, Florida where it's like 90 too. degrees. <laughs>
3: I'm bull- on that because our cons are not like those cons. Those cons are dojin events. They're not comparable.
0: Yeah, but it's still cool because you could you could play up the Japanese authenticity of it and they'll go with it. <laughs>
2: huh. And it's true. I don't believe you're allowed to wear your costume to the event. Like walk into the event with it or anything. I believe that they have pretty strict rules about that. I know they had to arrange something pretty special with Anime Expo Tokyo. Because apparently they don't want people dressed like that walking around in you know, the streets of Tokyo. <laughs> yeah.
3: I don't know, given a lot of the other things I've seen photos of people wearing in Tokyo, <laughs> I don't think anyone would notice that much.
0: <laughs> Maybe it depends on the area of Tokyo that you're Maybe. in. Maybe.
3: Maybe so Although, yeah, i don't know po- if i were a cosplayer i don't think i'd want to be on the subway trying to get to big sight or wherever in my costume i think i'd rather put it on there less damage to the costume
2: what about her other points i guess i kind of agree with her point about hentai versus live-action porn that yeah they're equally unrealistic in terms of distancing themselves from reality
3: right and i mean uh- really like for all the people who are like, well, at least the girl in the porn movie is real. You're still not gonna have sex with that woman. Oh, and that's. a i
0: have a combat knife that disagrees.
3: <laughs> uh huh. Anyway, I, I beat
0: them until they love me.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: And then I cook half a steak and then eat the, it with like the thing raw. The coke uh,
3: school of romance.
0: This is the stingray school.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: they all love the red streaks of spray paint in the hair. <laughs> and my penchant for chains and hook swords in my garage.
2: <laughs> but now you know what your fate is going to be. Yeah, yeah. You're going to be carried away on a
0: on a hospital hook
2: by your eye sockets. No, so. no, just hospital mm. hooks.
0: <laughs> I actually we got an, another email saying that the MangaCast podcast, which is this podcast that has like 250 some episodes is actually going to be at San Diego Comic-Con, and they are going to record the Kazuo Koike and Yoshihiro Tatsumi panel, so woohoo to that. Awesome. Yeah, I was reading the Pushman and other stories, and I just found it highly entertaining that the origin of the Gekiga movement consists of a series of short stories that are all essentially the exact same thing. Average, hard-working guy does what he can to get by in this world. Some woman gives him hassles, so he kills her or rapes her or maims her or something, then goes to jail or has everything he holds <laughs> dear taken away from him in the process because of some woman. <laughs> Therein lies the heart and soul of yeah. Gekiga.
3: Therein lies the heart and soul of Japan. I, of of I Japanese love it. males. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I It's great. hate Japan as no, much as no. I love it. Uh, no, it's awesome. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: In terms of other emails that we got, a few shows back when Gerald reviewed Project Echo, I mentioned how I didn't think that it was overtly a comedy. And I asked for people to send in emails saying what they thought of it. And we got it, I'd say it was a pretty mixed response yeah. of people saying that no, there was no way to tell that this was a comedy because, up oh, the fact that she's a lesbian isn't funny, the fact that there's a fight isn't funny, there's only a few things that are kind of out there, kind of weird but not ha-ha funny, and other people who said, oh, it was obvious. I'm I gonna... think it's
2: leaning a bit more towards people who knew it was a comedy, though.
0: I'm saying you're a liar because I'm saying we got far more emails saying that people said they couldn't tell what it was. And people know that I wouldn't lie, all right? I so don't know. I think, I think it's here. a little
2: bit in favor of it a com- as a comedy.
0: I counted, it, and there were clearly 80% on my side, as always. And here's uh, one such email. He's full of shit, by the no, way. No, no, look. People trust me. I'm a trusted <laughs> authority. So here's one such email from Chad Clayton. Chad writes reviews for AnimeJump.com. And is an overall cool guy. He writes, "Greetings, AWO. I'm writing in response to your question, Show 25, and whether or not we thought Project Aiko was a comedy when he first saw it. Much like daryl I first saw Aiko on Sci-Fi Saturday Anime all those years ago. Although Gerald will notice that it wasn't on Saturday Anime where it first showed up. He said it was one of the earlier anime he ever saw, knowing that it was anime. So you really didn't have any way to get most of the references in the movie." other than the really obvious homage to Fist of the North Star. But even so, I did think Project Eko was a comedy, or at least a very comedic action movie. I don't think the ability to catch every reference is the key to understanding the humor, though it would undoubtedly enrich the humor. Along with all the little side gags and jokes littered throughout the movie, there's a very prominent vein of absurdity running throughout the entire movie. Even in my mid-teens I knew the movie's creators had their tongues planted firmly in their cheeks, but I can't really fault Daryl for thinking it was an action movie. I thought Echo was more weird funny than haha funny. And it does have plenty of fairly entertaining straight-up action. If not for that handful of really obvious gags littered throughout the first half of the movie, I probably would have also thought it was an extremely strange action movie. Similar note I picked up Factual Earth Defense Force recently. I wasn't Altogether, expecting to enjoying it, as I'm so sick of these zany anime comedies, I could scream. I admittedly can't see what all the fuss over this title is all about, but I enjoyed it a lot more than I had anticipated. I think ADV's referring to PEDF as a kind of proto-Excel saga is an apt statement, but Perfectual World Defense Force has a couple of things that newer comedies in a similar vein are lacking: a sense of restraint and ingenuity. mm-hmm Some of the jokes in here are pretty clever, if off the wall. And the show seems to understand that there's more to comedy than turning the volume up to 11 and putting everything in fast forward. A lot of these wacky comedies suffer from being ridiculously over the top, and while PEDF is very fast-paced and energetic, I didn't find it anywhere near as obnoxious as, say XL Saga or Elf Princess Reign. Anyway, that's enough for the moment. Regards, Chad. He
5: puts Uh, forth both the arguments
0: for Echo, although I would say that Mm. the arguments for Echo would be if you also thought... Commando was a comedy, and I think Commando is a documentary. So.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that it, it just struck me as a comedy when I saw it, and I mean, we have gotten mm. people. I mean, I'm looking at another email now that says, also, I can't believe you didn't know Project Echo was a comedy.
0: Yeah, but so. these people clearly don't realize that. Oh, shut that up, Gerald. Shut up, Daryl. You're,
2: you're full of shit. So th- full th- of that's, shit. No,
0: everything I'm saying now is getting covertly edited back in once you edit it, and then I can sound <laughs> like I'm right again. You're so full
2: of shit. Commando's real. <laughs> what about his other points about the, kind of the comedies of today? I kind of have an agreement there in that every other comedy of every other season tries to outdo the comedy before it in terms of just being wild and insane. I guess that's what people want to see.
0: I don't know. There are definitely a lot of those crazy, screwball, wacky comedy kind of things, but, again, a lot of the fan base is crazy screwball wacky people so
3: <laughs>
0: gotta know your base
3: yeah I don't know I mean there's definitely shows like Excel Saga that are just completely insane I haven't watched Pani Pani Dash though I understand I've seen a that's bunch similar, of that,
4: yeah, that, that is that's similar. a similar
3: kind of thing but then again there's also shows like Azumanga Daioh and Ichigo Mashimaro that are silly comedies but are not necessarily quite so frenetic
2: and I think that that's what he's saying is that they oh. exercise that restraint. Right. Um, I think another the, the show that uh So I'm not ADV sure like licensed, if the balance uh, is
3: really that different now than it was before. Hmm.
2: What before Excel saga was as frenetic as Excel saga? Elf Princess Rain. That was like two years before Excel Saga. I mean like ten years before Excel saga. Oh. Doctor Slump, I don't know.
3: Cleopatra, no. <laughs> <laughs> That movie Cleopatra. is non-stop ridiculousness.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Cleopatra's a historical docu. <laughs> it's like
3: Caesar and Mark Antony look like Gamelons, and Mark Antony has a ninja, and then Caesar has syphilis, syphilis, and then goes and crazy it's, it's, all like Looney Tunes style. It, it's and then, really you know, like hilarious. They mold Cleopatra syphilis. into being pretty, like play. oh my god.
2: Uh, I'll, I'll uh, review that, that sometime or something.
3: Movie. <laughs> yes.
0: You just don't remember because that movie's long and kind (laughs) of shitty. We have an email here from Shane Haas. He writes, Dear Anime World Order, I just finished listening to your 26th episode and was struck by the distribution methods of the Japanese. I know Mr. Harrison is the one that was informed on the subject, but I was wondering if any of you know why the Japanese haven't updated the distribution system. Might it have something to do with the Japanese business practices of being loyal to their employees and a modern distribution system would cut out too many jobs? Your opinions on the subject would be appreciated. Sincerely, Shane Haas. Well, the short answer, Shane, is that it's it's the Yakuza. (laughs) (laughs) That's my short answer. But a slightly longer answer, well, it's not even a longer answer. It's so much that they just don't want to. That's pretty much what it boils down to. There's embedded traditions. Maybe there's some sort of union or some sort of other issues. I still say it's the Yakuza. But there's also the cost factor. Think about how we were saying how a lot of these stores are these mom-and-pop type operations. Picture people like that trying to deal with all these new data input and file maintenance type of systems. I suspect there's probably companies that offer solutions to shops like that. They I do know. in America.
2: Yeah. So I, I don't know why it would be any more difficult in Japan for them to, to do that. Mm. Yeah,
0: I'm guessing the mob. There's no real good answer for it, but it's annoying because... When you have to deal with that many levels of distribution, it's not like people down at the bottom of the chain necessarily know what's going on at the top. I remember hearing stories from people back in the Crooks-in-a-Pan days, or Books-in-a-Pan for those who aren't terribly snarky, when you'd go to order... books and things like that. You'd say, okay, hey, I want this book, and then the response you'd get is, okay, I'll look for this book, and then you'll get a response later, oh, the book comes out next month, and then it turns out, oh, the book's been out of print for two years. What? That's just how it is with that ridiculous system. There's no centralized, simple way of keeping track of all this crap.
2: Well, that, that's more like a just bad inventory management to me. Well, that's
0: <laughs> essentially the Japanese
2: system in a nutshell, bad inventory <laughs> management, bad <laughs> distribution uh, methods. Due yeah, to. I mean, every step in that distribution just adds more and more cost to it. So. Yeah, and
0: I'm sure it's all layered with corruption, much like the never ending amount of public works going on in Japan. It's the Yakuza. They own that <laughs>
2: place. Or the great bank
0: situation in Japan, too. Mm-hmm. Also owned by the Yakuza.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I read Sanctuary, I know the school. <laughs> yeah. Sanctuary is absolutely 100% accurate. It is.
3: Yeah, sanctuary will clearly make you uh, an expert on modern Japanese society. <laughs>
0: the artwork is very authentic. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Too bad Kazuo Koike didn't write it; well, otherwise, somebody it just as even good wrote it. Authentic. So.
0: Now I know that when you knock a woman out, you shouldn't necessarily rape her. If she's She's a virgin, you should just dump a can of tomato juice (laughs) in her bed, and then let her wake up and be horrified, and then you mail her the empty can of tomato juice. (laughs) (laughs) And then she'll think you're charming.
3: Oh. Awesome.
2: Awesome. Girls will love you if you do that.
3: Oh, yeah. I
2: tried it. It works. What else do we got? We also had another really interesting voicemail from Rich Lather, a.k.a. Jeff Tatarek again. We prefer to refer to him as Rich Lather.
0: One of these days, I'll have to ask him, why do they call him the man who rejected
6: the Star dip Wads? Not quite sure why.
2: This is a response to the Geek Night segment.
6: Now, as a card-carrying anime old fart, I've got to respond to the Geek Nights bonus coverage. Their assertion that there's more zeal and creativity these days because of the sheer amount of fans being creative doesn't really fly with me, and I'll narrow it down to two things I've got direct experience with, cosplay and AMVs. I hold that while there were fewer fans in the early 90s, back at the birth of the American Anime Convention, the creativity there was, and this will sound weird, a more concentrated, pure form than what we have today. There are certainly individuals today who excel at what they do within the fandom, but they're surrounded by hundreds of people who give the minimum of effort and don't move beyond the flashy look-at-me stage. The really good costumes are drowned in a sea of grossly fat Inuyashas, cloud strifes with tinfoil swords, and narutards whose dealer's room-bought headbands are the only notable part of their outfit. And don't get me started on AMVs. I remember a time when you actually had to have skill and patience to create one. There was no computer software that could help you. If you had a good idea, you sweated out the time to piece it together on two VCRs. For me, it was a set of editing decks in college. I got lucky. More often than not, it meant that you wanted to have some kind of a future in video editing professionally, or at least a burning desire to put your ideas on tape. As a result, there were considerably fewer anime music video creators 10 to 15 years ago than there are now, and a lot less of them sucked ass. Nowadays, any twerp with Windows Movie Maker and a handful of badly compressed fan subs downloaded from Kazakh can spend less than two hours creating a poorly edited, creatively shallow video that looks like so many other crappy AVs, and they'll be proud of it. Lincoln Ball is a joke for a reason. I could go more in-depth on that, but suffice it to say that I don't think there's more zeal out there today, at least not significantly so. It simply spread over a lot more people, and that is not a great thing too much noise and less signal. What I think marks the disparity between those who attended, say, Project Acon 1-4, through Hi Steve, or even the early AWAs, Hi Dave, is a sense of pioneer spirit. It marked a time where most everything was perhaps not new, but brought together in a place where it wouldn't be lost amidst panels for Star Trek or Xanth novels. Sure, the first masqueraded project, Acon One, may have been held in the hotel's bar with a couple dozen attendees, give or take a couple of confused wedding guests, and had less than five entries. And anime music videos were nothing more than something shown at opening ceremonies to fill dead space. This was a time when there were nowhere near enough to consider contests. But this was a fresh thing, and more importantly, it was all ours. So when I speak of Pioneer Spirit, I speak almost exclusively of old farts like me, or old farts in training like the AWO crew. I speak of people who remember this purer form of anime fandom and see how far it's come in the present day, with floods of people who take it all for granted, or worse, don't give a rat's ass and just want to spend a weekend away from their parents playing grab-ass and experiencing the forbidden fruits of yaoi and hentai. That said, I am thankful for some things modern fandom has given us, like digi subs and Raw's from BitTorrent. we can actually see shows just a couple of days, perhaps, after they've just aired on Japanese TV, as well as the ability for me and others like me to hold sway over hundreds of people at anime hell showings. Outside of that, I find them just slowly shaking my head in disbelief more often than not.
0: The AMV thing, as well as, I guess, the cosplay thing, it sounds like (laughs) Jeff is essentially reiterating what Tim said. Mm. That the level of intense dedication is more dispersed throughout as opposed to being concentrated to within a Mm. few people. He's right. The AMVs are, a lot of them are just bad.
3: And I think that's always going to happen as you get any kind of larger fandom. And as the tools get
0: easier to use because it's like you said before, only a few people with fairly difficult to acquire equipment could make AMVs, and even then it would be a tremendous amount of effort because, oh, you had two VCRs. Okay, hit play. All right, when it gets to the scene you want, start hitting record. Mm Up, I missed it. Go back, hit record again. Mm -hmm. Up. I didn't hit record in time, there's a little bit of static in between the cuts, rewind, and you do it for yeah, months, th- there months was months. A, uh,
2: oh, right. There was an AMV that you showed me on Giant Robo. That yeah, Matt Murray's
0: like turn the on the light from Pone Flicks.
2: Something like 60 mm-hmm. cuts in, in It was one something
0: s- like 75 cuts in a few seconds, yeah. and he did it with two VCRs, and nowadays you look at it and it's like, so what? Because any idiot can just go cut and paste with Premiere or even Virtual Dub or whatever, and it'll come right. out fine. Just like, let's take another technical aspect to AMVs, the parts where there's lyrics and the character's mouths move such mm-hmm. that it, it's synced up with the lyrics. They're that easy used to, to do be now. really, really, really hard to do. But nowadays, if you don't do that, then you're just dumb. If you're trying mm-hmm. to do that and you don't do it right. Because of the tools. And so it's a double-edged sword because you have more powerful, easier-to-use tools... And I guess what I'm trying to say is the good news is with the uh, increasing availability of technology nearly anyone can use the internet or make AMVs. The bad news is with the increasing availability of technology nearly anyone mm-hmm. can use the internet or create AMVs and what have you. Yep. Not so saying so that it's there worse than this. I mean
3: Yeah, it's just it's just a double-edged sword. Right. That's
0: just Not really saying how it's it is. worse now than it was before and it's like he said. In a lot of ways, it's way better, especially with the BitTorrent stuff, and oh, being yeah. able to get mm-hmm. things and have access to information.
3: I mean, news network and Wikipedia now.
0: Yeah, between Google and Wikipedia and all these, you have just the world at your fingertips. in, in terms of hmm, how many episodes of this were made, I've never even heard of this show. Up, oh, got right. it. Right.
3: Between, like you said, the raw bit torrents for raw manga and anime, and then plus the scanlations and fan subs, they're so much easier to get. You don't have to mail across the country for tapes anymore. You don't have to pay the for your fan subs anymore, yeah.
2: <laughs> or the eighty dollars if you want to get it from Japan. Yeah, I, I guess it really just comes down to that. You got to take the bad with the good, mm-hmm.
0: or you can be like us in the Anime World <laughs> Order podcast and just construct your own little world and pretend the rest of the world doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> like the tree at the end of Ur-Sea-Atsura Movie 4. Lum <laughs> the Forever can live with just the memories.
6: It's deep, man. Right. Very on. deep. I'll limit this voicemail to one other piece of business. That of the continuing slap fight involving the Maharaja MacDaddy. I know that the smart thing to do is simply to turn away and let it lapse out of existence, but I gotta admit there's some level of fun to this. This isn't truly a flame, not in the least. It's more of a, a roast. I know that the MMD is from Canada, and if I piss him off too badly, he's just going to send his trained attack moves after me from his home in the frozen north, kidnapping me in the dead of night so that I can be sold as a sex slave to the local natives, where I'll be forced to live out my days in an igloo on some remote ice floe, servicing chunky Inuit women. So here we go. Henshin!
4: Henshin! <laughs>
6: MacDaddy, Daddy, you're a curious character in that I am unsure just how seriously you take yourself and your persona. Given that I take myself seriously not one whit, hell, I'm playing at being Common Rider Kabuto for Christ's sakes. Then that means either you do as well, in which case I hope you're getting as much fun out of this as I am, or you're at the complete other end of the spectrum where our cosplay divas and gorgeous George live. If that is the case, then it's time to bring up the big guns. Cast off. At best, I found you to be somewhat amusing. The whole Bollywood slash Apu thing is quaint, especially when the accent is authentic. But dude, you need some new material. Ladies, you wanting to dance can only carry you so far. And this particular mule has long since given up the ghost. You've brokered your small amount of internet fame into a podcast, I see. Good for you for taking the plunge. It's something that I don't think I'm ready for just yet. But drunken ramblings do not equal good comedy, or even bad comedy. <sighs> and one last thing: everyone searches Google for their name at some time or another, but making a point of announcing it is another thing entirely. Do you also carry a ruler into the bathroom? Don't answer that. Seriously, don't. Three. I'm sorry, MMD, but the funny is in another castle. Writer Kit.
4: Writer Kit.
0: Anyway,
5: let's news working to restore power.
2: In the news this week, there's actually a little bit more interesting news, in my opinion, than there was last week with uh, Anime Expo. I don't know why. Recently, Yomiuri Shinbun reported that there was this recent boom in classic manga being reprinted. This is not really like classic 80s or 70s. Some of the stuff goes back to the 60s, such as Eight Man and judo Kawata's King Robo. And then there's one company that is now deciding to release stuff that comes from between 1923 and 1925. Hmm. Pretty old stuff. In fact, they're also releasing stuff uh, such as. Leiji Matsumoto's Uchu Sapsen Dai Ichigo, Space Strategy Number 1. They're focusing on a lot of these uh, significant creators' first debut works.
0: Which is the business model for failure.
3: It sounds <laughs> mortifying, too, for the artists, having yeah. their first work dredged up.
2: <laughs> a lot of those artists aren't really proud of it. I know that Tezuka wasn't very proud of Metropolis, which I don't believe was his very first work, but I think that's one of his first significant works, wasn't it? If you want to know the name of his first
0: one, I think it was New Treasure Island. I could check.
2: Well, my point is that he wasn't proud of Metropolis since it was such an early work of his. Oh, right. Yeah, just
0: Metropolis in general. Mm Mm-hmm. As I check, Tezuka's first work was actually a four-panel strip, but I was close with New Treasure Island because that was his first
2: proper manga. This is kind of interesting in that a lot of these things have never actually been collected before. So they're actually pulling these from really old anthologies. Chances are we'll never see any of these things over here because I doubt that things like Cyborg 009 and Astro Boy are selling too well.
3: Mm.
2: But it's just sort of an interesting little tidbit. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we reported that Dark Horse was having some issues with releasing Exaxion and that they had to edit some scenes out of it. And this caused quite a fervor on our comment board there. And very recently... The director of CMX, Asako Suzuki, replied to complaints about the editing that was occurring in Tenjo Tenge. I suppose I'll give you the gist of this thing. I'll link to the whole thing in the notes. Basically, Asako says, the CMX version of Tenjo Tenge has been a hot topic for months. We are aware that some manga fans are upset with our version of Tenjo Tenge, and it has not been easy for us to take in the criticism. We respect our readers, yet it is not possible to please everyone. There are many people who enjoy CMX versions of Tenjo Tenge who might otherwise be unable to read it, and in fact it is one of our best-selling titles. We don't think it would be fair to deprive some of our loyal readers of their favorite title so far into the series. We do want to let you know we are very grateful for the immense cooperation we received from O Tenjo Tenge's creator, who takes a great deal of time and respect in each volume and every one of the editorial changes. And last but not least, please note that Tenjo Tenge will be rated teen plus from its ninth volume to indicate more precise direction for our readers. Regardless of the fact that Tenjo Tenge isn't that good, I mean, it is all about the tits and the ass, if it's all about the tits and the ass, and then you edit out the tits and the ass, then...
3: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) the other thing that weird about Tenjo Tenge is... This was a series that seemed to already have a pretty established fan base, and it's usually not that difficult to sell things on the merits of tits and ass. They would feel the need to edit it down in order to sell it to a younger audience.
2: What audience was this for in Japan? Was it the same audience as it is in America?
3: I don't know. Where was it serialized?
2: No, the audience
0: for Tenjo Tenge, that must have been the Ultra Jump age crowd. The like fourteen. 16. Ultra Jump is more nineteen. To... Oh, is that old, huh? Yeah, for people, that's where yeah. Battle Angel runs in. And
2: okay, well, I mean, uh,
3: did it uh, run an Ultra Jump? Do I don't you know? think
2: it did. I was just the caliber of content.
3: Mm.
2: Oh, serialized an Ultra Jump. Yeah, there you go. If this was serialized an Ultra Jump, then it was established for being the nineteen twenty-year-old audience in Japan. So yep. I suppose nineteen and twenty-year-olds can look at bare breasts in America. I think yeah I don't know know. kinda strange anyway as if the anime retailer and distribution market isn't oversaturated as it is we have yet another group to add to it and that is Illumatoon Entertainment and they are based in Fort Worth Texas and they're made up of a whole bunch of ex-funimation executives and they've already announced their first work which is going to be beat the vandal buster when you look at their website, and we'll link to it on the main page, it's actually Illumatoon.com. It seems to me like they're more of a production facility than a straight-up anime releaser. I really don't know. I mean, they have got unbelievable equipment, it seems. Also, their mission statement, and take a look at that mission statement on their site. It's very, very corporate, it seems. It say things like, you can't get people into your show if they can't find it. That means seeking out new ways to exploit your brand. This is the area of digital proliferation. All about diversification. That's pretty damn corporate, if you ask me.
0: Sounds Uh, like they're going to be releasing promos via BitTorrent. What sounds like a very fancy way of saying.
2: Possibly, yeah.
3: Yeah, maybe.
2: Which has been done by uh, ADV already, and I think they got some success with that. The one big piece of news that came out, and this is from ICV2, so there probably isn't any real hard evidence to support this other than just the people at ICV2 thinking this is what it is. Basically, they estimated the list of the ten most influential individuals in the anime distribution industry. This actually is a much longer list that goes from one to about fifteen. But eleven through fifteen were not actually printed; they were only printed in the retailers' guide, and those include websites such as Anime News Network and Anime on DVD. The top ten, if I go from ten to one, starts with John Cirabella, the CEO of Media Blasters, Ken Iadomi from Bandai Entertainment, John. Iosum, the Executive Vice President of Viz, Arthur Smith and Shin Ishikawa of Gonzo, Hayao Miyazaki from Ghibli, the Anime Buyer from Best Buy, Katsuhiko Tsurimoto from Ganeon, Kim Manning, the programmer of Adult Swim, John Ledford of ADV Films, and Gen Fukunaga from Funimation. And it's actually not the least bit surprising to me that the Anime Buyer of Best Buy has got such significant impact. In fact, I'm surprised that they are that low.
0: I'm actually surprised that Adult Swim is as low as it is, but at the same time, you have to remember what ICV2 is. ICV2 is owned by Diamond, which is the company that does all the comic book distribution in America, the direct market, mm-hmm. so to speak. Any comic book store is supplied by Diamond. They hawk a lot of figurines and merchandise and stuff like that, and ICV-2 is directly under their helm. So you have to look at it in terms of what is Diamond trying to push. Funimation's up at the top. Maybe there's going to be a lot of Dragon Ball Z and shit like that coming out.
2: That's present anyway. Yeah, it's present anyway,
0: but at the same time... Dragon Ball
2: Z is probably one of the most... The most marketed thing in anime, but next to Pokemon
0: at the same time it's also the advertisers
2: my cynical outlook on matters coming up next, a wind named amnesia'm
4: on. Your side.
3: A Wind Named Amnesia is an anime movie that came out always much later than I think it did, in 1990. It's based off an original novel, I believe, by Hideyuki Kikuchi, who wrote the novels for Vampire Hunter D and Demon City Shinjuku and Wicked City, all those kind of things. I've seen it listed as a manga somewhere. I don't know if there is a a manga version as well. I know that he generally does novels. So I don't know if there's a novel and a manga version or if people are just assuming that the original must be a manga, as that's generally the pattern. It's rather hard to find any information on the source work. Nobody really seems to care enough about this movie, honestly, to provide very much information about it or its source story. The movie version is directed by Kazuo Yamazaki, who is known for directing things like... Masonic Koku, Please Save My Earth and a couple of the Ursa Yatsura movies.
0: So basically lots of things that he didn't have a whole lot of control over. Since I know Please Save My Earth, they were like, well, story. what was that?
3: Also five-star stories. Oh,
0: oh, oh. Even more so.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: things with a lot of authors having huge amounts of creative input to the often detriment, especially for Please Save My Earth, where they were like, no, you can't cut a single scene from the manga. Ever, ever, ever. Oh, wait, there's only one episode left. Uh, I don't know. Figure something out.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it does seem to be a pattern there. So, I don't know if you want to say that he has very little actual effect on the movie or not. Now, "A Awenna Amnesia" is a sci-fi movie. In... The vein of what some people would refer to as real sci-fi, meaning that yeah, there's some futuristic technology and some other things going on, but at its heart, ultimately, the story is about people, and it's about society, and there's an important underlying philosophical question, or group of philosophical questions, that you're meant to think about as well as watching stuff blow up. Which is nice. I think that there's a lot of stuff that can kind of overlook that. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with popcorn sci-fi. I like laser guns and ships blowing up and freaky aliens as much as anybody. But I think it's a nice change to have something that makes you put a little bit more consideration into it. The storyline of A Wind Named Amnesia circles around a young man named Wataru and he's caught up in a situation where one day for no apparent reason that anybody knows of a strange wind blows across the entire earth and everyone on the planet suddenly completely loses all of their memories nobody can remember how to talk nobody can remember how to use basic tools or any technology and this happens very suddenly so of course people are driving down the road and suddenly they can't remember how to drive their eighteen wheeler and of course a lot of people die initially in a lot of accidents and after that because nobody remembers anything about technology or society or even language humanity reverts basically to a primitive state and beating the crap out of each other and living like animals so a lot of other people die shortly in the aftermath by just being killed by other people or not being able to get to food and starving to death. The situation is pretty bad, and the major cities are either completely deserted or nearly so, incredibly broken down from people rioting in order to get to food and supplies that they can figure out what to do with, as well as just kind of rampaging around. And one of the people affected by this is Wataru. He lives in a small town in Montana, and he, like everyone else, really kind of just wanders around trying to keep himself fed and keep himself alive. Until one day, he wanders into a large complex on the outside of the town which turns out to be a military installation and there he runs into a young boy in a wheelchair facing off against a big huge guy with wires all over and Wataru, for some unknown reason decides that he wants to help the boy and helps him to fight off the guy who seems to have kind of telekinetic abilities it turns out that the facility that he's come into is a bioweapons facility where they were testing out how to make human weapons. The young boy in the wheelchair that Wataru helps to rescue, his name is Johnny, and he was experimented on by having his brain replaced partially or entirely, I'm not quite sure, by a computer in an effort to try and enhance human knowledge capability and memory. Because of Johnny's unique brain, unlike everyone else, he remembers everything. He wasn't affected by the wind. So he proceeds to use some equipment in the base and also a lot of the reference materials on hand to reteach Wataru how to speak and what the names of everything is and reteaches him all these things that he needs to know, survival skills, how to drive a car, how to shoot a gun... And they live together for some time. Eventually, Wataru, after Johnny becomes ill and passes away, takes a jeep and he heads out across America to see what's become of the other people in the country, to try and find out if there's anyone out there who remembers anything, and see how other people in other places are managing in their situation.
2: Like Easy Rider, the sci-fi anime version. (laughs) He went out Uh, to look for America, but he couldn't (laughs) find it
3: anywhere. It's a pretty good analogy. It is kind of a road trip movie, definitely. So, he gets in the jeep and he proceeds to head around the country. And eventually he gets to San Francisco, where he makes two very important acquaintances. The first being a giant defense mech that seems to develop a serious hate on for him and decide that it wants nothing more than to kill him. The other meeting is with a woman named Sophia who doesn't really tell him very much about herself, but she also seems to remember everything. She doesn't seem to have been affected by the wind. So Wataru invites her to come along with him in order to go on this journey to see what's become of other people and she agrees. The movie is taken up with a trip that the two of them take across America from San Francisco to New York. Along the way they stop through at a couple of different places and you get to see what's going on there and how people are faring which generally speaking is of course not very well. It's hard to say too much more about the movie without spoiling it, because since it is a movie and there's only so much that happens in the length of it, and most of the rest is probably kind of spoilery.
0: Well, I guess if I could say something about it, that's Um, not necessarily a spoiler. In a lot of ways... A win Named Amnesia reminded me of, kind of weird to say this, but Galaxy Express 3-9, only mm. with much more violence and nudity <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. of being the- killed. Because, in a sense, really what you've got is a boy named Waturu and a mysterious woman who's, mm. you don't really know what the deal with her is, but she sure seems to know a lot... <laughs> And they go to various locations, and each location says something about the human condition mm-hmm. mm. in some form or fashion. I'm not going to say that A Wind Named Amnesia is a total ripoff or anything. At the same time, no. it's not 100% original. I still like it. Right. It's something I think people should check out. But that was the vibe I got when watching A Wind Named Amnesia. I still I did- think it's pretty neat, though.
3: I see what you mean, and I think you're right, but for some reason that never really came to me before.
0: Interesting.
3: Let's see. Wind Named Amnesia was done by Madhouse, I believe.
0: Mm-hmm. I would assume it's Madhouse given the yeah. pedigree of the author, and you're talking about Vampire Hunter D and Wicked City and Demon yeah. City Shinjuku. Yeah, all it was. Those were made yeah, Madhouse. Madhouse.
3: Yeah, that guy seems to have a history a... of working with Madhouse yeah. on And the one stuff.
2: difference is I don't believe we actively see a woman raped in this one. We just see a woman just chased to be raped. So, well, completely different from it, his other works. It
3: wasn't it? precisely to be raped, actually, but.
0: Yeah, it was better well, than rape. You, there's actually a step <laughs> up from rape. Yeah, it's I wasn't secret. Sure I'm not if... going to give that away.
3: Yeah, see, I wasn't sure if I should mention the deal with the couple places that they go, if that would be too spoilery or not. The animation, I think, is really nice. The character animation I found to be very attractive. The mechanical animation, I think, was good overall. The music is pretty forgettable. I don't think any of the music really stands out very much. The directing, I'd say, seems perfectly competent. I don't know if I'd say I can notice very much about the directing itself blowing me away. I think the biggest problem for me with The Wind Named Amnesia Is that it's not a TV series? I don't know, but to me, the whole kind of yeah, Yeah. the whole kind of road trip plot—it felt very crammed into those 80 minutes, and I found myself wanting a little more time for them to flesh out some of the characters and for them to spend in some of the places, like. Sophia is supposed to be kind of mysterious and make you curious about, well, what's her deal? But in the end, to me, I was kind of like, all right, no, at this point, she's just boring.
2: Yeah, it could have and the, it definitely been the whole been made up.
3: Yeah, the whole, like, revelation when you do kind of find out what the deal with the amnesia is is kind of shoved in very quickly at the end. And yeah
2: I didn't want to say anything about the ending to make it a spoiler, but the ending right. was kind of kind of just well, that's convenient,
3: yeah, also and at the same time what's it' up was somewhat with that?
2: open, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, Yeah. there isn't really much of an ending. I mean, a couple of things get resolved in that you do find out what the cause of the amnesia is, and you do kind of find out what's up with Sophia, but there's no resolution in the sense of there's no closure to what's happened to all these people. So there's some closure, but it's not really a full ending. Personally, I think that I would have liked this better if it had been a TV series. Just that there had been more time to spend with some of the characters. Maybe I just say that because my favorite character in the entire movie is Johnny, and he gets kind of shoved into these flashback scenes that don't get all that much time in the movie. And so I'm kind of like, look, like six-episode arc with Johnny at the beginning of the show. That's, I'd be good with that.
2: Did they ever <laughs> but, explain what this Japanese guy was doing in America?
3: I presume he's just Visiting. a kid of a Japanese family. Okay. Because no, Lord knows there aren't Japanese people in America.
2: <laughs> no, I was just wondering, because it, it seemed like he was... They're all like... in internment camps, still, I think... <laughs> it seemed like oh. he was Japanese from Japan, and that just... I was wondering if maybe...
3: there, I don't, There's not really anything to indicate it because nobody knows language anymore mm-hmm. except for Johnny and Sophia, so all he does when you see him is make grunting noises like everyone else, so it's not like you ever hear him speak Japanese. They say he's obviously of Japanese descent, but since okay. he doesn't remember anything, there's no indication that he's actually from Japan as opposed to just being of Japanese descent.
2: Okay, I just wasn't sure if that was anything that was ever addressed in the novels or anything.
3: I wouldn't know, because no one cares enough about this to put any details about the novel and how it differs from the movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think I'd classify it as solidly above average, but not Mm. like one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Oh
3: yeah, I wouldn't put it on like a top ten list of movies that you absolutely have to see. But you probably can pick it up for fairly cheap, because it's a movie that nobody cares about. It's, and it's CPM, an early CPM and, release. Yeah,
2: so it's although they did actually
3: they did actually reprint it recently. In fact, the DVD that I own is the newer re-release of it because it has Johnny on the cover. So I guess there was maybe some degree of interest. I don't know.
0: I guess the degree of interest was all in the fact that it's really, really violent out of nowhere.
3: Yeah, a lot.
2: But they reprinted, and then there's just like boobs so. out of
3: nowhere. Right. Because I guess they were like, oh, gee, we should probably throw some boobs in there, huh? All right, let's do that. Considering just, the just author of the work,
2: in there. the author of the work, I don't, the I was Demon would be. Demon City
3: Shinjuku? I would be. Hey, don't hate on Demon be. City
2: Shinjuku. Wicked City yeah. is fair game.
3: Hey, hey, man, I watched Demon City Shinjuku like eight times. I'm sure on Sci-Fi Channel. They
0: cut out a lot I of go. the stick beating.
3: I know they did, but I had to watch it for Mephistopheles. For and, Mephisto, yeah. you mean? Mephisto. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And did you watch that scene it's in Johnny Mnemonic where they bust in on the Penas suite from the elevator? Yes. Good.
3: I've seen Johnny Mnemonic, indeed.
0: Not just monofilament wire, laser monofilament. Wire. <laughs> Ice tea and dolphins in a tank with super brains.
3: And Dolph Lundgren. Yes. Don't forget.
0: So many good elements, and yet I don't own this movie on DVD. Oh, I you don't? It, I, I saw it and I was like, this movie's ridiculous. What the fuck? <laughs> that was before something inside me died. So maybe if I watch <laughs> it again, I'll really, I think I I'll should really own, be down yeah. with Keanu's big soliloquy about how he wants to yeah, I was about to goddamn.
3: say, yeah, I think I should own it just for the hooker speech. Yeah.
1: You know, all my life, I've been careful to stay in my own corner. Looking out for number one. No complications. Now suddenly, I'm responsible for the entire fucking world. And everybody and his mother is trying to kill me. If, if, my head doesn't blow up first.
2: Maybe it's not just about you anymore.
1: Listen. You listen to me. You see that city over there? That's where I'm supposed to be. Not down here with the dogs, and the garbage, and the fucking last month's newspapers blowing back and forth!
5: I've had it with them! I've had it with you! I've had it with all this! I want
1: room service! I want the club sandwich! I want the cold Mexican beer! I want a
4: $10,000 a night hooker!
6: I want my
1: shirts laundered, like they do at the Imperial Hotel, in Tokyo.
3: Anyway, yeah, it's not one of the best movies ever made or anything. It's got flaws, but it's definitely, I think, worth picking up. And worth watching, and it shouldn't be too expensive. The DVD release was an early CPM one, and it's really bare bones. There's really nothing there. It's got the lamest excuse for extras on the face of the planet:
0: animated menus.
3: The extras for when Named Amnesia are like meet the characters extra, where you go in and you select one of the main characters, and then it, and a it replays. No, no, it replays the scene in the movie where they were first named. That's it. Mm. It just replays the bit of the movie in the dub audio, of course, which, don't watch the dub. It's that's, not that's very really good. That's really
2: reaching for an extra rent there.
3: I,
0: it's it, one of those things <laughs> where I would normally recommend people just rent it, but nowadays it's so cheap to just buy things. Who rents stuff anymore?
3: Yeah, this movie really should not cost you very much, so... Yeah. I wouldn't imagine that it really should be that big of a deal to just go ahead and pick it up. I'm sure if you look on Deep Discount DVD or DVD Pacific or something, you can probably pick this up for like, what, seven bucks, you think?
0: Yeah. If I'm sure was. Netflix has it and Green Sea and all those online. Yeah, and all kind of so, places I mean, too. yeah, the
3: DVD release is kind of crappy, but I guess for such a low profile movie.
0: While we're on the subject of stuff laden with mystery, I guess on that note, it's Gerald's turn to tell us all about Fantastic Children. Or at least what I could understand of it.
2: Before I get really into this review, I'd like to give a little bit of background first. One of the reasons that we started this podcast, at least one of the reasons that I got onto the podcast, was because I really wanted to start watching some newer stuff because I'd really slipped behind pretty badly. And this was sort of a lame attempt by me to try to catch up on some newer things. Now, as for this show, I chose to review the show because I found this particular disc very, very cheap at Best Buy. It was only about ten bucks, and it came with the CD soundtrack. And so I thought, why not? I'll give it a shot. And I actually hadn't watched this when I chose to review it last week. I generally don't mind reviewing part of a TV series as long as I clearly state that and I um, make sure that it's not to, meant to be representative of the whole show. I typically like to review a whole show, even though I've done it several times in the past with reviews of shows like Zepang, Angel Heart, and Hakuge. Zepang gave me a very good impression of the tone of the show. So I felt I could get a clear review on that. Angel Heart degrades very, very rapidly. After the point where you stopped your review, though, right? Exactly. After that, right after about episode six, it degrades pretty badly. And I've almost got the last disc of Hakuge, so you're going to hear a complete review on that really soon. However, when I watched the first episode of Fantastic Children, I had this real creeping dread that there was no way that I could do any sort of review of the show based upon just one disc. And by the third episode of the show, I knew that I had to find the second disc. However, I found that the show has basically just been abandoned by the retailers. I don't believe Best Buy is carrying the second disc. As far as I could tell, it was only available online. And that's probably why the disc was so cheap. Luckily I have an anime store close by that rents DVDs, so I was able to rent the second disc so I was able to at least watch ten episodes of it and not review just five. But I still really have no idea what's going on. Let me get to the basics of this storyline if I can. (laughs) The series is basically about these children who all have the appearance of an 11-year-old with white hair and they all wear these black robes and clothes.
3: The Children of the Corn? The Village of the Damned?
2: Something like that. However, they appear much smarter than your average 11-year-old. The group of children have been spotted at various times and places throughout history for the past several hundred years. The story is that these children sneak into the house of a person with a child, they dispose of that child, and then they take their place until they turn 11, at which point they leave the parents. However, it's imperative that they leave the parents before they turn 12. Otherwise, they will lose all their memories. The show starts in 1853 with the children as they try to collect their friend Paulza, or as he is known to the family that he's with, Conrad, from his immediate family, which he's become far too attached to to leave. He's actually sent this very ominous postcard, which has a painting of a sailing boat with a crescent moon and this terrifies him so much that he ends up just ripping it up very very quickly. Conrad is then confronted by this group of children and he stands firm in his feelings to just stay behind and stay there with his family so then he is eventually left behind and to grow old with his family while the others leave to be reborn at a later time. The children later on revisit Conrad or Palza when he is an older man in 1901 when he is awarded the Nobel Prize for the discovery of x-ray technology this is kind of funny because one of the early discoverers of X-ray technology was, in reality, a guy named Wilhelm Konrad Rotgen, who did win a Nobel Prize for X-ray technology in 1901. The scene shifts to where the majority of the first 10 episodes of the show takes place, and that is the island of Papin in the southeastern archipelago in 2012, where we meet one of the children that's being reborn. This time, she's an orphan girl known as Helga, who has been constantly trying to escape from this orphanage that she's in, with the help of her young friend, Cheeto. Like the, uh... Monkey and Tarzan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, Helga's a very, very quiet girl, and in all ten episodes that I watched, she only said a few sentences. While Cheeto is far more talkative and annoying... Then we meet Toma, who is much older than either of them. I thought he was around 14, 12 or so. And he is practicing a local form of martial arts with his father, who is a priest at this temple in the area. Now, Toma gets caught up with Helga and Cheeto's escape attempts and eventually helps them permanently get away from the facility. At this time, the children that we meet at the beginning of this episode, or the show, I should say, appear and are looking for this Helga girl partially the motive for their century spanning search. Now at the same time we start to follow this other detective who is trying to find out more about these children. He's actually interviewing this woman whose son disappeared and whose son looks exactly like another one of these children and he actually shows her this photograph of them and she says that's exactly it, that's him. But this photograph was taken a hundred years ago. This is where it gets sort of difficult. Fantastic Children is a series that I've never heard anybody say anything bad about. It seems almost immune to criticism and we even got an email about it from Esteban and he actually writes about it and says glad to hear the next show will have fantastic children review because it really is an awesome show and if you don't think so you all suck so there I've watched the whole thing so I think I'm qualified to say that you should stick with it even if you think the first ten episodes are too slow or the plot too impenetrable it has this really great plot twist at the end and he goes on to talk about more details about the show Basically, he kind of, in a way, sort of sums up my feeling about what I've seen. The first ten episodes were incredibly slow, and the plot was extremely hard to follow or understand. I actually went back and watched the entire ten episodes twice, and I didn't find myself too much more aware of really what was happening. The characters in the series are also somewhat hard to become attached to. Much of the characterization seems to be summed up pretty succinctly. Helga is quiet, Toma is excitable, Cheeto is naive there may be more characterization beyond this and I'm sure there is this characterization would be completely acceptable in a show like most maybe shown in action shows or a giant robot show or maybe a fighting show but in a show like this where the show is so plot and character driven it kinda of feels a bit more detrimental I showed some episodes to several people and the one comment that I always heard was that the artwork is so bad other times I've heard people describe it as more old-school-like, akin to something like Metropolis, Tetris in 28, or Cyborg 009. I didn't find them to be either old-school or bad artwork, but I found it sort of unnecessarily distracting, maybe because the entire front of the character's face is taken up by a nose when it's pointed sideways, and this nose disappears when they face forward. So the Nobatera Yuki design show? Nobatera Yuki's nose as you can tell when the f- character faces you. In my opinion, the problems with the designs of the show is that the designs feel like they're more appropriate in a show made for very, very, very young audiences. I don't know. Perhaps maybe if they'd gone with a more realistic design that were suited to the kind of the temperament of the series, I think that it might have been less distracting for people, because I know a lot of people have avoided the show because they only saw some screenshots and saw those character designs but I don't think that anybody should ever use character design as a determining factor in purchasing a show, ever. What if it's porno? That's a different story. (laughs) That's a different story. (laughs) In reality, if I hadn't actually bought it, I probably wouldn't have watched beyond the first five episodes, let alone the first ten. I also have to ask if it's really fair to ask someone to spend $60 retail on the show before there's an actual payoff, because the show is retail $20 a disc. I watched a little over one-third of the show, and the first episode had me absolutely enthralled. I was on the edge of my seat and I was wondering where the story was going and then I kept watching and it slowly became apparent to me that the show just wasn't really going to reveal anything or establish too much and it seemed to be laying down this incredibly ambitious foundation and really just relying on the momentum of the viewer watching the show to continue. There were far too many major climactic plot points that were basically played out through a character looking at something and then staring at it in horror and going and then fading out and that's completely fine because you see it in most shows but the show used it so many times that it just became annoying after a while now I should clarify that I don't want my mystery and drama just spoon-fed to me this is just not how to do it this show makes you think every single step of the way and it forces you to consider the actions of the characters and everything that came before and I wish more shows were as cerebral as that However, the manner and the amount of things that were positioned to be revealed later just kind of became frustrating to me. It pains me to say it, but I just didn't like the show. I was watching it, and I was thinking how sad it was that the show seemed to be totally dropped by retailers, and it's a better show than Full Metal Alchemist is, but I just don't like it. It's just sort of like that new Superman movie. All these elements are there. Superman had well, Superman and the music and Lex Luthor, and in the case of Fantastic Children, there is this sort of interesting plot line, these complex ideas, and a certain amount of intrigue. But I just couldn't get into it. I don't discount Esteban saying that the show probably gets better after ten episodes, but to me, that that seems like a lot to ask from someone who's putting down that money for a show that seems just kind of impenetrable as this is.
0: You think maybe you could just. I guess you can't answer this, but is it maybe one of those cases where you can just skip straight to where it starts getting good and just forget about those first ten episodes? No,
2: no, because there is so much that is being established in these first ten episodes, but it's not stuff that, how should I say, it's, it's stuff that feels like it will have a much greater significance later. Because small things that the characters do have a greater impact, you just have no idea exactly what's going on.
0: Well, the sense of, say, a traditional narrative, as everybody learned in high school English class, how you've got the exposition and the narrative hook and the rising action and all that stuff, it's like, oh, well, it's 26 episodes, so these first few episodes could necessarily be slow if it's for the sake of telling one overarching narrative. I don't know. I haven't seen any of the show.
2: I understand your point, Mm. but I don't necessarily agree that you should leave the viewer with the information that the show gives you I just don't really feel like those 10 episodes were interesting enough to actually stick around much further I understand that they want to establish certain things but I don't feel that establishing something necessarily means it has to be dull and boring or impenetrable so well as you can see I wasn't that big on the show if you have seen this whole show and you disagree with me please write in and I'm sure that you will if you haven't seen the show again $60 $60 for the eventual payoff is rough. I suppose that if this came out on like a very, very cheap brick, it might be worth it. Then again, you are still sitting through 10 episodes, a very, very slow, very strange storyline that doesn't seem to go anywhere for a while. So those are my thoughts.
0: Pretty less than ringing endorsement of the new stuff. I admit I have the same motive as you when I kick this off of this podcast. Yeah, I'll actually get into this never ending ever building ever increasing queue of things to watch and what happens i'm lazy i just said oh well i already know about this i'll talk about this Whatever. (laughs) so it persists and continues until i run out of everything possible and then it'll be oh crap i'm gonna have to watch a
2: 40 episode show in a week
0: something's gonna have to happen once we get to that point i don't know
2: we might take a week off, and it might, at least it, one person take it, a week off. And that,
0: that was my suggestion. I'm not sure what'll happen, though.
2: Yeah, I, I don't like to review shows like this, just to do the first ten episodes, and then, I don't know, maybe something will click, and then suddenly those last ten episodes will, will be just all the more worth it. I didn't think fast enough, and that's I was relying on the retailers for this one, I guess. <laughs>
0: talked about these worlds of mysterious kid geniuses with who knows what is there to be revealed underneath and we've also talked about shows in which everybody's lost their memory and it's just various facets of the ugliest parts of humanity so with that in mind i think i'm going to have to merge both of those elements together into one thing as I bring you part two of the Japanese animation convention is decadent and depraved, as my search for the truth of what's going on with modern anime fandom continues. And I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad. The dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had.
1: I find it hard to tell you, I find it hard to take people run in circles, it's a very, very,
5: bad...
0: This is part two of the Japanese animation convention is decadent and depraved. For part one, see show number 23. Friday night ended in tragedy, with the clown pistol shooting of the man who discovered the thought bird. Saturday, beyond a lack of sleep, our only real problem at that point was the question of what to do for the day, so that we would never have to move our cars in the process, as parking space was non-existent. Eventually, we decided to leave our cars be, and simply walk back to the convention. This was the last coherent decision we were able to make for the next 48 hours. From that point on, almost from the very moment, we started out to the hotel. We lost all control of events, and spent the rest of the weekend churning around in a sea of anime horror. It was Saturday afternoon, the day of the big animecon events, and we found ourselves within the Monte Cristo Palace at some known as Bennigan's. We liked the Monte Cristo Palace because it had Monte Cristos which were really just rancid meat encased in pancake batter, fried to the proper thickness, then chopped out with a sort of cookie cutter from a remote, undisclosed factory location, then dusted with powdered sugar to resemble the face of Christ. Clarissa was hoping for chocolate chip pancakes, but that would have to wait until a larger group was amassed. The convention was not within one large building, but rather three, spaced apart on opposite ends of the complex. Main events in the building on one end, dealer's room in the building on the other. Sidewalks full of teeny boppers, all moving omnidirectionally, not necessarily for attending any specific events, so much as deciding where best to loiter in front of. The mob was thickest in the area of the convention, cordoned off from everywhere else, an entire building dedicated to sin and perversion, in which the dealer's room, panels, and workshops were held.
6: Bean-shitting pubic
0: <laughs> The lowest of the low resided here, in this edifice where idle statues of Mickey Mouse lay erected amidst the large bird cages. And standing outside the entrance to this place, there stood a man, clearly hopped up on ecstasy goofballs, raving in one place. <laughs> Sometimes he would have a boombox playing Bimani tracks. But most of the time, the only music accompanying his daytime ravings was the never-ending
1: <clears throat>
0: that must have been eternally pounding through his skull as a result of one too many consecutive MDMA pluggings. I thought nothing of it at first, but after three or four hours, I realized that this man knew the truth. Wondering, why do they do what they do? I made like Jacques Cousteau and stuck a microphone in front of a fish.
5: Well, my name is Kenneth Boyd, and I've been here just having fun, raving, watching anime, y- yaoi.
0: He was sure to correct himself on this matter, to make sure I didn't get the wrong idea about him and think he wasn't, you know.
5: Right now, I'm right outside the main entrance in a corner just reading, having fun. For. How long have you been up to this? So far, six hours. What events are you looking forward to this weekend? Shonen Bash, Yaoi PK Party, and then the rave.
0: Notice you got a sign here, it says donations needed. How many donations you've got so far? Um,
5: So far, I've gotten about $25 worth.
0: You also appear to have gotten a lollipop.
5: (laughs) Yeah, these people are donating lollipops for awesome people.
0: Do you do this at other conventions?
5: No, actually, this is totally random.
0: What are some of your favorite anime titles?
5: Gravitation, Passion, Irikuri, Bleach. So, if someone was new to anime, what kind of stuff would you recommend they watch? Akira, that's the oldest and best anime that I can recommend. Did you just
0: crush that blow-pop no.
5: by your uh, feet? I did that a while ago. It was MoA. The yeah. dude has got
0: no mercy! So if Akira's one of the best anime ever made, what's one of the worst? Or what's the worst?
5: <laughs> I was at that horrible hentai party last night. and I, I hear the guy who runs that is a shithead. Uh, no. I thought he was hilarious. So, I wouldn't per se that, say that he's a shithead. I think
0: he rapes children. I mean, you have to to watch stuff like that,
5: right? No.
0: Was there footage of children rape?
5: Don't
0: know. Are you pleading the Fifth Amendment there if I don't know? Is... Uh,
5: no, it's actually, I was, there was this one where it was George Bush having sex with this one anime girl.
0: What was the one anime girl's name, do you remember? I don't know, it was just totally random. At least there were still some people who hadn't seen Evangelion yet. Across the walkway was the second building, dedicated to two pursuits. Video games on the first floor, anime viewing rooms on the second. The second floor was, of course, perpetually empty, but the first was another high-traffic area of animecon people, all burnt out earlier, maybe just not having much to burn in the first place. My friend of many years, Steven, hadn't been to anime conventions for over half a decade. He showed up for a day, and he had but one question. Yeah,
1: but the whole thing, like, people asking for money and show- Party. Is that from something? Or is it just... No,
0: it's just people being whores. That's what people ask Dude, for. It's like every about. Other person. Yeah, every other person is a whore, Steven. <laughs> That's what you have to understand in these conventions. Not even the Pocky would mask their endless suffering. Nowhere to go after 30 in this life, for the Grim Reaper comes early. I walked into the video game room and found myself staring intently at a group of young men around an HGTV not far away. Jesus, look at the corruption in their faces, I thought. Look at the madness, the fear, the truth. Then I realized I was, in fact, looking at Gerald. Yes, Gerald. Who, despite his stated opinions on the relevance of video games and anime conventions in previous episodes of this very podcast, was right there in the thick of it, playing Dead or Alive 4, just like he would be at home. I could see that none could escape the corruption of this place. I should have known all along what with any conversation the man has with acquaintances inevitably resulting in discussion of either Hentai or Dead Alive 4, always culminating with his insistence on showing his poor victim all of the endgame cinematics and the part with the one guy hitting the dinosaur while Clarissa complains about him using the Ultimo Dragon-looking luchador girl whom she refers to as that slut. I stumbled outside and saw a single file line of cosplayers waiting for prejudging. It's like when jockeys bring the horses out and parade around for a while before a race so the betters can get a good look. There would be many winners, but all ultimately losers in the end. There was one amidst this sea of attention cravers that stood out, since not only was he not in line, he was lying down on the floor of this very high traffic area, forcing everyone to circumnavigate around him. I knew that if I had to interview just one person to find out what cosplay was about, really about, not that expressing love for a character bullshit, or allowing for friendship bonds to be formed in manners far greater than any t-shirt would allow garbage that they want you to believe, I knew this would be the person to talk to.
1: I'm here as the Nintendo Revolution slash Wii controller. What does that entail? A one-handed controller that's just basically a stick. I wanted to do something unique. Most people want to, but they're all girls. You got some signs here. One says play with me, and the other one says yaoi me. What's that all about? Because you can turn me on and play with me. I have a power button. And then the home button is strategically placed around lower stomach area. Are you in the costume contest? No, but... You could win that <laughs> shit with this. Come on. I was too late for registration. Ah. But no, the reason why I'm here is because begin- So a lot of people are trafficking through here, so it's a good promotion. It's a good place to lie down
0: in the road where it's like a lot of people trafficking because they can see the cool things going on. Totally
1: promoting it. Most people think it's awesome. I've got a few people who try to smash me. Smash you? <laughs> they took out their swords never going to shake me, but they didn't get that far.
0: <laughs> what if someone just tried to double-stomp you or anything, you couldn't even put your arms up to defend. That'd be tragic. Like uh, Like, if I were to just, like, get up on that table right now and jump down, you could totally not even, you couldn't roll away in time. What are you looking forward to the most this weekend?
1: The yellow pajama party, just experiencing everything, all the costumes. How many costumes are you experiencing, given that you're lying down on the floor looking up at the ceiling? Quite a few since it's a high traffic area. Is this all a
0: ploy to look up people's dresses?
1: No. I don't think I would want to. What's like the worst anime ever made, man? Probably the animes they were showing last night at the Yori party. Why is that? They were basically just straight porn in anime form. I hear the people who run that thing are messed up weird individuals. Can you confirm that? Yeah. They uh kept Oh snap!
0: Ah. It was at that moment that a young girl just up as a character from Bleach ran up and placed her hand upon the strategically placed button that the man had mentioned earlier. Seeing my camera, she then requested a picture be taken. Another man in the background, with Yali written on his shirt, did not seem to approve.
1: People have been touching your wheel a lot. I like that though. Play with my weight.
0: I did not comply with his request, for as a member of the press, my job is to be as objective as possible. Incidentally, the sound of the background was a Link cosplayer playing the recorder, and she, or I assume it was she because only women cosplay as Link, would have surely been this man's Twilight Princess, except for the fact that he was... well... you know. With the convention at a halt, I excused myself from the next Ted Bundy and regrouped. Misha then showed me his copy of the then-new Brain Age, and my scores from the very first test indicated my brain age was 20, I determined that my brain was already perfect and in no further need of assistance. We then found Clarissa and decided that the only thing we could do in our lives at this point was play Tetris DS. Yes, we failed in our own endeavors. I was the reigning Tetris champ, since the frumpy Misa Misa girl with the chubby face wasn't around at the time. If you ever run into her, prepare yourself for a volley of Tetrises, or a volley of water balloons. A volley of something, anyway. Just then, a man in a pink hat walked up to us and made us an offer I couldn't quite understand.
3: Yaoi for money! Yaoi for
5: money? What is that? Yaoi for money. What does that mean? Guy-on-guy. Guy. You gotta elaborate. Pretty much guy-on-guy it guy Basically, we'll make out for a dollar.
0: Is that a verb or a noun or what? Both. Both? Yes. It can't be a verb and a noun. It's yes, che-
1: actually it can. It's
0: cheating. Yeah. The Japanese aren't advanced enough of people for such things. Yeah, they've got three different modes of writing. They're just not as linguistically advanced as we are. They can't have multiple meanings for words. Actually, yes,
2: they do. Koi can't
0: mean love and carp. It's a lie. A lie perpetuated by the media. They do have multiple meanings for words depending on the context. Oh, that's a, that's
5: impossible. Actually, there's not. There isn't a single one. Yeah, there is. Like what? Yawe means guy on guy porn and just Sean and I. No, it doesn't. It does. Sean and I means Sean and I. But it also means yaoi.
0: Then why would they have a word for eye if it also meant yaoi? It means both. Why would they have a separate term? What does I mean then? Guys making out. If you translate it into English, what does shounenai mean? Gay guys. So which one
5: is? See is pretty boy. So shonen means? Boy. So or what does... man. what does I mean? It depends on how it's
0: used. I think you're lying. I think you've never taken Japanese in your life. I think you're deliberately trying to mislead these people. I think my brother
1: these knows
0: this. Brother is a myth. My brother
5: took Japanese. Your brother,
0: you might have invented him. I didn't. I don't see a brother here. That guy's not your brother. Look at Damn. him. He's shaking his head. I'm not his brother.
5: Fuck you, man. I'm not. He's my brother.
0: See, he no, doesn't want to admit to being your brother either.
5: This is He's all- my brother.
0: This is all deception. Alright, we'll talk to her. He'd played right into my scheme. He pointed at Clarissa, who during this entire conversation had been seething and boiling over solely with rage. So, brother of red versus blue lightish red shirt guy, what does Shonen I mean?
3: Well, literally it means boy love.
0: That's not what he said. Was he wrong?
3: Yes. Okay. <laughs> Shut
5: up. But Shonen does mean boy or man. How no, can it, it mean boy or
0: man? It's either boy or man.
5: Riku, get your ass over here!
0: I think we've discovered someone trying to undermine the truth.
5: I not so. make me kick you in the balls.
0: I have a very powerful badge that says I'm staff, and so Point if taken. you do that, we have to throw you out of this convention. Point taken. So if you do that, you might be able to run, but I have my terror operatives everywhere. And my psionic brainwave can be sent out across the land at and they just like bam
5: Yaoi, and Joan and I are basically the same thing. So then why
0: is there like separate events for them? We
5: have no idea. I'll no tell you. tentacles. Joan and I can I.
0: She's saying no. She's laughing at you. <laughs> at how wrong you are. Anime World Order 1. Dissidents of Truth 0. I like it's the fr- I like the frozen face of terror. Both
5: a noun and a verb. No, it, no, it isn't. isn't. Oh. The dissident of the truth to, is now trying to shoot me with
0: a, key a,
3: a keyblade
0: prop. <laughs> Clarissa then went berserk and started screaming Yamanashi, Ochinashi, Iminashi, top of her lungs. Clarissa going berserk is a regular occurrence that gets edited out of this podcast every week, and it's usually on the subject of cartoon people being... you know. At this point, the sun went down, and I parted ways with everyone. The debauchery building was gearing up in full force, for the next several hours would be home to the events that nearly every single one of the awful people I'd encountered this weekend had stated they were looking forward to the most. The Bishonen Bash and the Yowie PJ Party. All of my friends from Friday who needed badges and had to be host club brood dudes until 3.30am that day now had to be Bishonen Bashers and Yowie PJers for the next eight hours. And this time they had to wear uniforms. I knew then where my journey for the truth had to take me. So Misha, what's going on with how cool life is?
5: Life's pretty cool. How
0: cool is life? I want to die. Do
5: do I think the subject isn't lighthearted, so they're using chibi form, sarcastic. Hey
0: Joe, what analysis are you offering?
5: I'm just saying why you though, they use chibi and anime.
1: What show are they watching here? My free badge. Some girl asked if she could take me home, and that was pretty cool. Did you
0: say yes, or was she a fatty?
5: No, she was actually pretty hot. She I'm asked not, me that, too. I know. You have a girlfriend, though, Brian. Services, is But Joe, you have your own
0: girlfriend, too.
5: I was creating conversation to make the a, experience I, more enjoyable, I do have a permanent one.
0: That's pretty cruel, Joe.
1: You should say it. that on tape, Joe. <laughs> I'm
0: on tape! You're not on tape, it's not on oh. tape.
5: You're so bullshitting.
0: Oh, I'm not bullshitting, no. You're not on tape? No, it's not You're on. Look. See, it's not recording. It's never, what, it it's never recording. recording. What the fuck it's not talking? on. Did you record that? No, it's not recording. Why are you holding it? I just have been holding it as a <laughs> force of habit, because if I put it in my pocket it's and lean, it falls out of the pocket. Okay. I thought you were recording it. No, but it would be a phenomenal joke if it's like, Anime <laughs> <laughs> World Order podcast, Connor Port, jokes, Yeah, women nothing but bitches and hoes. I'm going to give Especially mine. Joe then broke up with his girlfriend during the convention, just as he'd broken up with his previous girlfriend, also during a convention. Nowhere else was the truth which I sought, what divided modern anime fans from me, more apparent than these events. Hundreds of people packed like sardines into the workshops and panels area for the all-ages bishonen Bash that largely consisted of showing AMVs of Shonen Jump characters just standing there, to estrogen-soaked masses, before just as many hundreds packed in for the Yali Party that largely consisted of virtual viewings of sensitive pornograph, and the other two Yali anime that get shown at every single one of these events at every convention. The sonic barrier generated would stop the monster sphere dented its tracks, <laughs> but it couldn't stop me we can't stop here this is truth country here the purveyors of the truth were all concentrated together in one area primarily females as expected with a good deal of guys that were you know, or possibly pretending to be i was half expecting to hear a dorkin-esque argument of faggy you asshole that ain't faggot stuff that's homoerotic you don't know dick about literature breakout so what's this line all about
5: I,
4: Bishonin,
5: huh? Bishonin bash
0: Bishonin bash what's that about in. Do you like beat them up? Do you bash them? What
5: are you crazy? You're gonna get jumped by fangirls.
0: Explain to me calmly what it is. I'm a member of the press.
3: It's for girls, but guys in here too.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of guys yeah, in all line. To
3: score. I yeah, to, yeah. I see a lot of guys in gonna line gonna here. What you yeah. <laughs> yeah, they think oh, yeah. if they right. show up for the alley events, that the girls here will sleep with them, but they're sadly mistaken. All right, let me
0: tell me about these buttons here. You got a couple.
3: Mine's is on my back. You
4: want me? Uh,
0: I'm not going to go through that. No, no, come on. You got, okay, you got to explain Okay, Amanda. Thankfully
4: it. they, they run into you and hug you really hard. Excessive strangling, kind of bear hugs. Strangling bear
0: hug of love. Of love.
3: Like I see. Yally. Yeah. Did we say yaoi? Oh God. Yaoi?
0: What's that then?
3: Gay porn. <laughs> <laughs> Anime. Anime right. gay, gay porn.
0: Is it both a noun and a verb?
3: It can be used in very, very different ways, like yowie-ishness, awful yowie ishness I'm all for yowie.
0: That's an adjective then. Exactly.
3: It can be used in many things, but it is a noun. <laughs> it is a thing. It is this.
0: It's Are you crazy. over 18? No. Are any of you over 18? No. no.
3: no. Ah!
0: So you're all here for gay porn, but you're all under the age well, of 18.
3: Well, no. yeah, yeah, but we're probably going to get kicked party. out of the alley. <laughs>
0: How many of these people here are under 18?
3: Probably. Most of them, probably. majority. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we feel your pain. It's all the ones who are desperate to get right. a little bit of the action.
0: What is the secret appeal of this over, say, regular...
3: Cute, cute anime guys. No girl in the way. We don't want to see boobs. We don't want to see any feminine. We don't want to see the cute guy we like with some other hoe. We want two <laughs> guys together, cute and having sex.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'd like to see an example.
3: She's pulling
6: out a
0: camcorder, ladies and gentlemen. This
5: is what
0: it. It's in VCR mode. Yes. And we're just putting in a tape. All right. That's it's a funny. guy. There it is. From and this is at the con.
5: Yeah, it's just five minutes. Ago, just five minutes ago. You missed it. Right against You're like, right in the line.
0: Okay. People waiting in line. Then those aren't cartoon guys, and they're not Japanese, like you said.
3: But they are gay, and they're hot.
0: Sure. Do you have any like artwork style there, examples?
3: There are a lot of those guys. Who are we not to carry around yaoi pictures?
0: I don't know, I thought you were fans. Alright, I'm looking at the picture. Um, what is Those look like women.
3: No, they're guys! It's they they seem- just have long hair. Yeah, a lot of Japanese guys look like women in cartoons. But that makes it even more appealing is this a
0: Wait, are these guys too? Yes. Why's Probably. he got a dress? That's not a dress. It's a dress
5: with a, a shirt.
0: A low cut.
5: Row, basically.
0: These guys aren't very guyish. They look nope. kind of girlish, but well, you said the appeals didn't want normally, girls. Normally, in a
3: the relationship, there's one tough guy, really strong, and then Simmons. there's one very little, fragile, little, don't hurt me okay. kind of guy okay. who really wants it in the end. It's never considered rape because they both want
0: it. Yeah. That's what I said to the judge just last week. The
3: truth is revealed.
0: The truth is revealed, ladies and gentlemen. I made like Bill and sang the theme song from Starblazers in my head to ensure the stability of my psyche in the face of this onslaught. Or rather, I would have were I able to remember all those other verses. Literal prostitution was rampant, as there was no shortages of whores, both male and female alike, willing to be gay for pay. Gerald was more than eager to snap a picture of two girls kissing each other while holding the dollar bill they were given to do so which is in the show notes on our website. What he won't tell you is that he gave them that dollar. The opposite end of the convention wasn't much better, for that was the side of the convention that the rave was happening, so all the ravers were there. I found two particular ravers and struck up a conversation with them.
3: I'm the president of the FCCJ Anime Club, so I wanted to go to that and talk to people, see if anybody from FCCJ is here.
0: Is that Florida Community College of Jacksonville?
3: Correct.
0: I didn't even know there was an anime club in Jacksonville. She created it. Yeah. Okay.
3: (laughs) I am a gothic lolita cat girl. I used to have a little parasol, but it's kind of dark, it's kind of pointless now. So
0: you've replaced them with something.
3: Glow stick.
0: And you, sir?
1: I'm nothing, I'm just stressed out. I have green and all kinds of sharp pointy things all over, uh, shorts with lots of zippers all over them. A uh, fedora, lots of glow sticks. Lots
0: of glow sticks. So I guess you guys are here for the rave. Absolutely. Yes, not? This sign of yours, you've got stapled to your lanyard. <laughs> Tell us about it.
3: This says, I kiss girls. There's
0: a parenthetical comment.
3: Only. Is that true? Yes. Well,
1: being that I am her husband, yeah. <laughs> there you have it, folks. Good night, everybody.
3: Well, I, I gotta explain this just for a second. We're doing a scavenger hunt for the anime club, and one of them is, because I'm bisexual, one of them is get points for every girl that I kiss. So that's partially why... Who's
1: keeping score? Uh, I got video... I have a camera.
4: Oh, okay.
0: That's <laughs> yeah. proof. Make sure you aren't just saying, Oh, I have a billion points, I win. I guess in the end, the difference between today's modern fans and today's modern fans with more experience is that the modern fans with more experience know about Eri Seatts or a Beautiful Dreamer, and the other ones don't. I guess that's about all we can ask for. Old man Steve's fears had all come to pass. The sexual predators were already here in full force, the deviants already converging upon these conventions as safe areas to practice their kinks. That the stuff what rang their bells was being depicted in cartoon form was irrelevant, since some of them actually buy badges. And so this madness is all done with the open endorsement of the staff, not just at this convention, but all cons nationwide. The rest of the weekend blurs into madness. Such horrible things occurred that I can't bring myself even to think about them now, much less put them down in words. I haven't even mentioned the anime dating game, Misha's life mastery challenge, the face of Princess Peach, The Crystal Land, or what happens when twelve people order chocolate chip pancakes and Gerald tips his plate on Clarissa's lap on purpose. I was lucky to get out at all. In the end, no blows were struck, neither to the front nor back of anyone's heads. The Weird Blue Mummy was still asleep, but for how long? No one could truly say for sure. But the emotional scars were massive. Who is responsible for anime cons becoming this way? What turned anime fans into this? I already know the answer, but I'll reaffirm it. Next time, as the search for the truth continues. At Metrocon 2006. Daryl Surratt, AWO News, Orlando.
2: And there we have it. Another episode of Anime World Order. As usual, you can call us at 206-666-4296. That is 206-666-4AWO. Give us an email at animeworldorder at gmail.com. Or send us an mp3 file. We like those, too. So, what do we have for next week?
0: Well, we've been getting some emails assuring us that we are, in fact, affecting people's lives, that some of the things we've been mentioning people have been buying. I actually got a good bit of email from people about Puss in Boots, oddly enough, and then other people had been writing in over time to talk about Crusher Joe, which is $6 now at the Anime Ego website. $6 free shipping. Come on. And then also on It's Insanely Cheap on Right stuff, etc. Things like that, a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. So I figured, since Gerald just reviewed Fantastic Children, even though he didn't like it, it was something that totally died at the retail. I'm going to talk about something else that totally died in retail. So I'm going to review a series that was released in the U.S. under the name Requiem from the Darkness, or as it was called in Japanese, 100 Stories.
3: Not to be confused with Requiem for a Dream. Yes, I almost. <laughs> Which is what you were gonna say? I was almost gonna
0: talk about Marlon Wayans <laughs> and shooting up in the eyeballs dilating. And <laughs> I don't like Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> <laughs> pie was all right.
6: Mm, I like pie, pie too.
2: In honor of its twentieth anniversary coming up at the end of July, I'm going to review my favorite series ever, Gal Force. And I'm specifically going to be taking a look at the original trilogy of Galforce.
3: Oh, God. Here we go. Oh, uh, yeah. Everyone's in for it now. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I'll post pictures terrifying. of all
2: of the Galforce merchandise I've accumulated over the decades.
3: It's horrifying, people. Brace yourselves.
2: <laughs> Every day when Gerald
0: wakes up, rather than use an alarm clock, he just sticks his hand out and grabs two electrical wires and shocks <laughs> himself
2: awake. <laughs> Yeah, this is a show that I love a lot, so just be prepared for it.
3: (laughs) And since several people demanded it, and I was planning on watching the rest of the thing anyway, I'll be reviewing the new anime meme, or sensation, whatever you want to call it, The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. Be warned.
0: Uh, I guess we should mention how we're eventually going to take a week off, probably (laughs) after the next show.
3: Yeah. So just
0: advance warning. Because
3: we have panels today yeah. that none of us have started on.
0: Right, Anime Festival Orlando, and then Otakon is the week right after. And so
2: we'll give you a lot of time to buy a Gal Force, people. So <laughs> you'll be able to listen to that episode a lot of times, and you have no excuse not to buy it then. That and Crusher Joe. <laughs> Giant Robo the Brick
0: comes out for that really soon.
2: Giant Robo the Brick is out. I oh, saw it myself. Oh
0: okay. It- Yes. I guess that's what people are buying and watching, then.
2: So then they need to buy that, too.
3: Oh, God, I need to buy that, too, but I've spent so much money.
2: So, you know, you've got... (laughs)
0: Wasted all your money on blackjack porn (laughs) $45 shipping, and now you can't own Giant Robo.
3: Actually, most of it turned out to be Saint (laughs) Seiya Dojins.
0: I see. So you (laughs) spent all your money on porno to the exclusion of being for real. You've become (laughs) that which you despise.
3: No! Welcome
0: to the anime world order.